0: Today's guest is an international consultant with companies like Ritz-Carlton Hotels. He's a world-class customer service experience consulting expert. He's the author of many books including Customer Service Revolution, which is a must-read. He's the president of the DeJulius Group. Ladies and gentlemen, John DeJulius. Welcome, John.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to be on here.
0: I'm so glad that you're here too. And just to let the audience know, the way that john has found his way here is i was a student at this entrepreneurial masters program at, at mit john was one of the first one of the speakers on the first day and from thinking about hospitality delivering receiving putting customers first he put so many ideas in all of our heads from around the world and influenced and impacted so many of us with real tactical tangible things and i think that this ties perfectly into hotels um, because it's all about giving, receiving, listening and serving others. So John, I just thank you again for being here.
1: My pleasure. Really, really happy to be here.
0: Um, John, tell us about, uh, your experience with Ritz Carlton and I guess we can start there. And then what we can do is I'll kind of peel back the onion and just kind of start asking a bit more questions surrounding how you deliver hospitality to others through all of your businesses.
1: Yeah. So, uh, um, Ritz-Carlton, like a lot of, if you look at by uh, the DeJulius Group's client list, it's odd because the companies that hire us are already great. Um, so it's like, why are they hiring you? Like, you know, Chick-fil-A or the Ritz-Carlton or Starbucks or, you know, many uh, five-star uh, properties or five diamond properties or, you know, whoever. And it's like, you know, those shouldn't be the ones calling us. Uh, Spirit Airlines should be the ones calling us, but, you know, it's always the ones that obviously get it and are obsessed and paranoid um, that they're going to lose that competitive advantage. So um, those companies like Ritz-Carlton, you know, I've learned as much um, from them as I've, you know, probably shared with them, but um, we have found that in 25 plus years of, of working with the best companies and researching the best companies in any industry, there's just a commonality that they all focus on. There's 10 things, we call them the 10 commandments, You know, from the customer experience action statement to world-class internal you know, culture to having non-negotiable standards. They all uh, are focused and constantly obsessed over these 10 things that make them significantly better than anyone else in their industry.
0: And from when you first started off as, a, as an entrepreneur, you had uh, hair salons all over the Cleveland area. And that kind of launched you into this path of where you are. How did you go from small business owner to working with the best um, companies in the world and making their already great delivery of service that much better?
1: You know, like anything, uh, probably most entrepreneurs said total accidents. Um, even getting in the salon industry was a total accident 30 years ago. It's not what I wanted to do. Um, you know, open it with my wife who was a hairdresser and thought that would just, you know, be a stepping stone to my next business. But, you know, we, you know, we got really good at it. Um, and we started, you know, growing really fast in the early, uh, nineties and mid nineties which then, then became my focus, all right, I'm just giving the salon business and open salons all over the world, right? That is where I thought I was headed in, you know, 94, 95. And uh, so people started asking me to speak, you know, because of the noise we were making in the salon industry. And, you know, I didn't want to be a speaker, didn't, you know, the only reason why I said yes was more locally, I thought it would be good marketing for my salons. You'd attend it if you lived in Cleveland and say, oh my God, I'm going to buy my wife a gift certificate, right? That's all. But every time I spoke, it led to two or three leads um, in other industries and in other places that all of a sudden, you know, I was speaking more than I was running a salon business. And then my first book, uh, Secret Service, um, came out in 2002. And that pretty much took me from being a salon owner that spoke to a speaker that owns salons and probably since 2002 while i still own the salons i have nothing to do with them day to day and then the speaking um, evolved in the next five years to consulting and that's where i spend 100 percent of my time is speaking consulting on customer and employee experience and the, the julius group does as well
0: and in all these conversations that I'm having about hospitality, delivering hospitality, um, what's amazing is it starts out because I'm in the hospitality industry, but everything about hospitality is transferable to any other industry and just being a human. And I feel like in many ways, humans have lost this ability to listen and hear others and serve others. And we're becoming siloed. Um, I think that this is a tremendous opportunity for hospitality to kind of Get back to basics and b- build bridges between people. As you step back and look at your journey as an entrepreneur from hair salons to this amazing consulting company and writing books and speaking everywhere, how do you define hospitality, John?
1: So, you know, c- a couple things here. One, I don't believe hospitality is an industry. I believe it's a piece of the experience uh, every company should deliver. I think. Pricewaterhouse, Coopers, uh, you know, lawyers, whatever industry, manufacturing. We should be in the hospitality business, all of us that happens to be have really smart lawyers, accountants, uh, you know, widget makers, whatever that means. Um, and 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 you know, I, I really believe that and how I define hospitality is it, it it's a feeling you give me. It's it, you know, and ideally, it's an emotional warmth. But it's a it's emotional. So when we look at the um, we call it the six components of an experience, and the reason why I love hospitality, I guess in my terms, because I really don't know how the hospitality industry defines it. But the way I define it in more of a global sense is, you know, customer service and customer experience is too big. You know, I could say, you know, Dan, your, your, your customer service is poor. And you can argue with me, that you're the number one accurate, number one most efficient, number one whatever, and you're right, and that is part of the service, and that is part of the experience. As is the chandelier, as is the you know comfort of you know whatever. And so we break you know the customer experience out of six components: physical, right? That's part of it, and that could be if I'm coming to your place of business, your parking lot, and how hard or easy it is to get into your parking lot, out of your parking lot. All that stuff that, that you know, the, the physicality, the building, the wall, things we can't change from day to day, right? Where you're located and all that. And then there's the environmental, right? The, the, you know, when you walk in, how is it? How does it smell? Is it outdated? You know, all those things. And then there's the, you know, technical, you know, of, of each employee of how smart are you at your job, right? I got a bumbling idiot or I got the smartest person I've ever met at, again, legal or, or, or waitressy. You know, she's brilliant. She knows the menu. She knows what's gluten-free, whatever that may be. Then there's the operational component, which is they're out of stock, out of toilet paper, the place is a mess, you know, whatever that may be. Um, and, but none of those have to do with how you personally make me feel, right? You could have the nicest, you know, Taj Mahal, Building and and, and beautiful chandeliers, and blah blah blah. You could be the smartest, most wicked person at your job, but you know, you could be a jerk. Um, and so you know, that I call the sixth one hospitality, and that in my sense is how that individual makes me feel cares for me, the human element of it, um, which is critical and is lost today, it's been lost for a while in all businesses but it's lost, today, especially with the techno- technological revolution we've seen in the past 15, 16 years. Um, I think we, as leaders, uh, subconsciously send the wrong message to our employees because we're saying, hey, you know, have them use the app and our website and the OneTouch and this and this and this and kiosk and self-service. But then what gets lost on the employees is they are the experience, right? You are the experience. Technology is 10%, you know, 90% is the human in most companies, but we aren't telling our employees that anymore. You know, technology can never build the rapport, can never provide compassion and empathy, and can make a brilliant comeback if we drop the ball. But you can, you being whoever that customer face employee is. So I'm sure that was pretty much the longest answer you got to that question. Uh, but yeah, I'm passionate about it.
0: Well, I could I see your passion, and it is long, but it's also super granular. Like it's it's all encompassing, and I think you know I look at someone like a Danny Meyer who did uh, Union Square Cafe and Shake Shack and everything. That idea of the hospitality quotient as he as a yep. as a metric. Um, yep. How do you measure? And yeah, and you said that, that sixth one of of hospitality and that human interaction and feeling. How do you measure that?
1: Well, we really call it, uh, same thing, but we call it service aptitude. And, and 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 again, I've I've thought about renaming it hospitality aptitude because the service is vague in today's world, right? But so if you call it, you know, the hospitality aptitude, it's it's a person's ability to uh um you know uh, recognize and exceed meet customers' expectations regardless of the circumstances. So regardless of the circumstances is key because. We could all be great on Monday, our slowest day, slowest hour, slowest time of year. It's how are we when, you know, Saturday, weekend, holiday, whatever your busy, fourth quarter, whatever your busiest time of year, when we're short-staffed, you know, we're overbooked, whatever that may look like. And are we cheating the client? Is the guest, customer, patient, whatever they are, is it based on employee roulette? So we have service aptitude or hospitality aptitude training and making sure that companies are spending. So I love asking this question, you know, to any leader, if you were to hire my son, one of my sons tomorrow to work in a customer facing position, how much training would you give them? Okay. Some people say two days. Some people say two weeks. Some people say two months. That's not the answer I'm looking for. The answer I'm looking for is whether it's 40 hours, 400 hours or 4,000 hours. Of those hours, how much is it operational, technical processes, frequently asked questions, how to place the order, book the appointment, whatever that may be, and how much of it is hospitality, soft skill training. And in typical businesses, it's 98% operational and less than 2%. And that 2% is really like, you know, little Johnny, the, the see the, the, the sign in the back, it says we're customer centric. We put customers first yeah, do that. And that's their training. But as you know, if you tell a hundred employees to deliver genuine hospitality or go above and beyond uh, or exceed, you'll get a hundred personal interpretations. So the best companies, the Ritz-Carlton's, the Chick-fil-A's, they remove the personal interpretation and they make it, you know, black and white and they teach so going on a long answer, let's talk about delivering genuine hospitality, right? Well, again, you tell 100 people to do that, you're going to get 100 personal interpretations. My definition of genuine hospitality is the five E's, okay? Every time you come in contact with someone, coworker, UPS man, or guest, client, whatever that is, you have to do the five E's. The five E's take less than five seconds to do. The first three take one second to do simultaneously. Uh, enthusiastic greet, ear to ear smile. Um, oh my God, I say this every day, literally. I oh, eye contact, eye contact, enthusiastic greet, ear to ear smile. So when you walk in, I'm like Dan, right? I just did all three right there. The fourth yeah. one is is engage, it make it about Dan, not about me. And the fifth one is educate. Every time someone communicates with me, it be it. 30 seconds or 30 minutes, they should walk away saying no one's smarter than that person I just dealt with. So eye contact, enthusiastic, read, ear to ear, smile, engage and educate. Now it's black and white. Now I to watch and see if you're delivering genuine hospitality and there's no personal interpretation left on it.
0: I uh, recently have been rereading the um, oh, Carnegie book. What's it called? Uh, How to oh, make friends God. and influence people. Yes. But on the first, the first three that are instantaneous, he told this story about the family dog, right? And that dog is running at you just so happy and giving. And it just made me smile. And I was like, oh my gosh, not that we're dogs, but it's something as simple as- We should be, we should should. should deliver
1: hospitality. My tail's (laughs) wagging, (laughs) because I'm so excited. And another one to that point is we train on people, the best way to greet someone, is with the expression, there you are. So, you know, and so I always show the, the clip from um, Jerry McQuire where she says, you had me at hello, right? And mm-hmm. I always ask people, do you have people at hello? Meaning when they walk in, your expression is, damn, I saw that you were coming in. I was so pumped. I wanted to ask you about how Connecticut is or, you know, were you bummed about your Yankees or whatever I know about you. Now, if you're a new client, same thing, it's it's a there you are, it's, you know, Mr. Ryan, you know, I, I was so excited that I saw that you've never been here before. I love working with new guests, new clients. Either way, it's, it's you know, there you are, right? It's the tail wagon, the dog. <laughs> I love that.
0: Totally. And thinking about this, um, I was. At, it's raining in New York City right now. It's just in line at Balthazar, Keith McNally restaurant, uh, waiting with a friend. And he's in the the guy taking reservations in the weeds. Uh, there's this woman who the reservation line isn't working. She's really upset. And he's like, listen, I'm so sorry. We're this very popular restaurant. The, the lines are having tra- challenges. Everyone wants to sit here. We only have so many tables. I'm so sorry. And um, she went away and then I came up and I was like, hey, I just want to say thank you for that explanation because I was trying to call too, but hearing you say that in like a really caring way made me feel great um, or made me understand what was going on. He's like, oh, come sit down. And then he gave me this. He said, hey, thank you for that. By the way, my name is Jordan and here's my cell phone number. Next time you want to come because I see you around, like just text me. But that's a soft skill that's not taught. Like how do you know? Or maybe it is. Um, and it one should of them-
1: be, it, it absolutely should be, and yeah, real quick, I think today, it's the only time I know in the world that every single industry is sharing the exact same two obstacles, staff shortages and supply chain issues, okay? Yeah. I, I, I don't know of anyone who's not affected by that. So more than ever, we need to manage expectations by being totally transparent, it's not oversharing and totally transparent it looks like this is is i you know is is um hey listen I, I, we're, uh, we're uh we're short some cooks in the kitchen or, or wherever we're short we have a table for two i just want to let you know we are not delivering the food at the time we normally are I, you know i want I mean, them and, and and typically like you just were hey dude it's totally okay right as long as you keep the cocktails coming I just want to catch up with my old friend or my wife or, or whatever it is. But there's people that don't say that. And I'm looking and saying, this is bullshit. It, it, it's been, you know, 50 minutes and, you know, I leave math and, or supply chain issues that, you know, uh, you know, you, you place your order. It comes every Tuesday. You're telling your customer to be there on Tuesday. They're there. Whatever will be there. And you open up the box, you pull it out and you can't find it. And then on the sheet, it says out of order why didn't they let you know when you place the order? So you don't have, you know, you don't have customers mad at you. Um, so that's, you know, that's being transparent and and managing customer expectations. I think we would have a lot less customer rage if we we, we were transparent on the front end.
0: I, I was taught by uh, a mentor of mine that, you know, we're all big kids. We all have our own library card. Just tell us what the real story is. We can all handle it. Um, right. One of the, Going back, you said a minute ago, you know, nope, we've lost sight of hospitality and delivering hospitality, but I can't, I think a vast majority has, I still think there are people who do it well. You introduced a really awesome concept that I still don't have, but one day I hope when I when I get my bigger library card, I hope I have, but it's the idea of a chief customer officer or a CCO in the, in the, in the
1: C-suite. Or a CXO. Uh, so, I'm sorry,
0: CXO. Yeah. That's what it was. No, no, um, no they're the
1: same. CCO and CXO
0: are, are, are both used. So, how many is, is, do you see that getting widely adopted now? Yeah, it's, it's the fastest
1: growing C suite position in corporate America. A uh, Gartner just published that 90% of companies have a CXO, which I, 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 I have to, I can't find. That can't be, uh, they must, must be talking about fortune 500 companies. I mean, you know, there's no way 90%, but, but they have a press release on it. They just don't say, you know, what, what market that is of any company open in the world or what niche or, or, you know, uh, you know, private um, or public, but uh, it is growing at an incredible pace. And we have a customer experience executive Academy for that reason, because, if you want to hire, promote a, you know, uh, a, an accountant, a CFO, well, th- there's a, there was a degree in it. If you want to, you know, control or operations or sales or marketing, well, you know, CMO you're hiring from with a, uh, a marketing degree. There's no, I don't even know of a class wow. in, in, in school. Or definitely not a master's degree on experience or service. So we've created kind of the, the first master's degree that sells out every year. And people send to us, um, you know, they, they come, they can also do it online, but they come to Cleveland four times a year, um, three days, every quarter. And, you know, they, they get their master's degree. And that is what, what is, uh, you know, why it's so popular, because people have no place to send their future or existing chief experience officer.
0: Can you... Give an example of someone who, who attended that and you had the, the biggest improvement from when they started to when they completed.
1: Yeah, we have so many, um, but, but he, he, here's one with metrics, okay? New Day USA, it's a veteran, um, it, it's a mortgage company that only serves uh, veterans of the military, all right? Existing or, or past veterans. Um, and one of their issues, was they had veterans, uh, their customer veterans, who were already approved for a loan. The hard part, got approved for the loan. And then before the loan closed, 15% of them were opting out, okay? So we have the ball almost at the goal line. We've done all the work, it's 35, 40 days. And Captain Smith, the last week says, screw it. I went somewhere else, okay? We found now the reason the account executives said was because they were finding cheaper rates somewhere else. And, uh, you know, the, the uh, chief experience officer from New Day um, called bullshit and said that's not why. Okay. And, and here's another thing they figured out every 1% of a VU, every 1% per month was worth $400,000. So I'll do the math. 15 times 400,000 is a lot of money a lot, in revenue. A lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you can see how critical it was. So yeah. they did discovery and research and found the number one reason why veterans were opting out was not because of rate, was because the account executive started ghosting them. I had asked my son what ghost meant. We're uh, not replying. We're staying in touch, and what would happen is, all right, I got you know, uh, uh, Private Ryan. Ah, funny movie thing, yeah. Private Ryan, he's approved. Okay, he's done. Basically, I'm counting my commission on him, and now I'm trying to get the other people in the pipeline approved or get rid of them so I don't spend any more time. And I'm working my pipeline, and I'm not working my existing that you know have to close in the next thirty days. So you're reaching out to me. You're saying, "Where's my appraisal? Where's my, you know, this? Where's my that?" And I'm not responding as quickly or at all, um, or I'm not, or I'm, I'm blindsiding you by not telling you things are delayed, and you get frustrated. You keep on shopping, and you find a better company that you think. Okay, so they built put in a um a, a um, I forget the term, but that the account executive has to has to communicate with their existing veterans every five days or the loan shuts down. So if if I don't call you or communicate with you and it's tracked in their system, the loan shuts down, bells and sirens come off, the president, no, the VP, COO, I mean, you don't want the loan getting shut down, right? As a result, now their monthly VU average is uh, 8%. Still high, but a 7% difference average every month, which is over two point some million dollars in revenue. Wow. So I, what I always say is what's your VU, you know, find out what your voo is in your business and, you know, make a, a mechanism that stops it from happening. And it's always disguised as price right? So we're not retaining our customers because they're going and getting it somewhere else. No, that's not why you're not retaining your customers.
0: So I love the idea of that tactical number between deals or after your existing ones five times, right? There's these these numbers. Um, One of the things that I loved was you gave so many tactical activities to do to express gratitude To customers and connect with them in different ways I think one was called um, 321 and and then there were so many other ones and I remember we've implemented a lot of these things and oftentimes it's like oh it's another thing to do but oftentimes in doing that and taking that pause and using the example of the veterans and just writing a thank you note or just connecting with them in some way or sending a gift and having the people giving that actually enjoy that. It's a moment of pause. It's a moment of gratitude. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, I love that, Danny. That you brought it up. While some may view it as another you know, part of their job when they start doing it, the, the day maker, all right, in any capacity, you pay for the guy's uh, toll behind you. You know, Let's say it's, all, it's 50 cents for everyone. You say, pay for the next three people behind you. Okay, behind me. And they've never met you. They can't thank you. You're a genuine daymaker. Who feels best at the end of the day? You do, right? When, when, and so when we put our, our, our employees, we give them the autonomy and the freedom to be daymakers. And a daymaker might be something so simple, sending you a follow-up article about something we talked about that you don't even remember mentioning to me. It, people who are running their first marathon. Maybe you're running your first marathon or you're going to Maui for the first time and I wanna make sure you know the best restaurants while you're there. You might forget that we you even brought up that you were going to, how does he know, right? So we call them conversation gifts. There's a gift in every conversation if you're paying attention to it. Right. And then employees start going home feeling really good because they weren't just a, a hockey goalie, you know, reacting to requests and yes, no, five o'clock, you know, 250, whatever that is. And they're able to look for the Ford gift. Do you remember Ford?
0: Uh, refresh me.
1: So Ford, what, what we train everyone on is when you're uh, communicating with someone else, you have to try to learn their Family. Ford. Yeah. Occupation, recreation, yeah. and dreams. Family, occupation, recreation, and dreams. So now that three, two, one, which is, you know, I, I got to send out, you know, three emails, two cards, one phone call. I don't care what communication you use. There's a lot of people my age that are all like, you got to write a card. You got to write a card. I don't care if you freaking send it up in a smokestack. If you telegram me, the message, getting the message from you is more important than how. I don't care. If you send me a video text saying, John, it was so great working with you. I just want that's cool. That makes my day. So I think we get too caught up in the channel. I don't care if it's a Facebook message, I don't care if it's a LinkedIn message. But the three, two, one is you reach out basically to six clients per week past. And again, and it's a non-soliciting, you know, reason. So it's not like, hey, Dan. I think you want to bring me back in or have me on your podcast because I have another book or another presentation. It's not that. It's not another reason. It's just like, hey, Dan, saw that your team, saw that your alumni saw, or I was in Connecticut, made me think of you. Um, And also, um, I just stumbled across or wrote a really good article that I think applies to what you do for the hotel industry. I thought you'd enjoy it. That's it. It's not a solicitation, it's just, and it keeps me in front of you. So the next time you do need, or the next time someone tells you they need a customer experience guy, I'm the one. You're not gonna say, oh, here's the top five I've heard.
0: What I, so, so I did so much of that as myself as i was building my businesses i'm sure or, or, organically but what i appreciated so much about the books that you, write, uh, that you wrote and then the all of the tactical stuff that you shared with all of us in the room was basically systematizing it so we could roll out to our teams and that, and i will say like the people who were most resistant to doing some of these things actually had the biggest um, evolution within themselves because it is not no one well not no one but very rarely do we all stop and express gratitude and I it creates almost like a, a flywheel of good feeling it
1: does it does it does I got you know a new one I've picked up in the past year from reading a book on uh, kindness by Adrian Banker and she talks about it in her book and we've all done this but she just talks about how it's a habit is sending I call it the best relationship hack out there and she, hers is just sending you a video text and I'm like yeah I've done that before but the way she described it is she thinks before she texts. Okay. And it could be her significant other. It could be a coworker. It could be a client. Right. And hold on, I got to text Dan, but hold on. Is this an opportunity instead of a text, it'd be a video text. And she says this, and it's totally true. It actually takes less time because I just clicked the video and say, Hey, Dan, I just want to take it to tell you. I really enjoyed today's thing. Yeah. Have an awesome weekend. And when you text that you know, it's spell check and all these things, you re correct it. And I'm telling you, now I do it all the time, especially like I have a hundred, over 100 employees and I used to text them on their anniversary and say, Dan, I want to thank you. And say, Congratulations on your fifth year anniversary. Yada, 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 You're the best. We're so glad. Yeah. I do it in a video now. And I get, you think I sent them $100. I get these, you know, hearts and I shared this with my husband and it made me cry. And it's like,
0: really? Like, I can't believe. Yeah. Do you know what the most incredible thing is? And you said it at the beginning of that, it's the pause, that moment of thinking about what you're gonna give. Right. This, that does more for the person, I think, giving it than the person receiving in many cases. That, and it's, a, it's literally a 10 second pause.
1: It is. The day maker, I can't say this enough, is always the one that feels the best at the end of the night. More than the people's day he or she made, right? Um, is it, it, you all because you go home and you are at the end of the night? You're like, I made a lot of people's day or moments today, and that's a different job than I changed two hundred and fifty rooms, beds, or or had ten clients, or you know, Zoom calls or whatever. That's a different, whole different, you know, uh, uh, paycheck.
0: A hundred percent. So, in doing all of this, and in all of the companies and human beings of your employees, and then all of your clients out there and customers um, who are coming into the salons, um, what's the best exhibition of hospitality that you've seen outside of your world, but that has impact impacted others? I really, um,
1: I just think it's the relationship building. And the focus on the moment and not the, the results. So I don't know, you know, you're probably looking for a specific example. I, I could certainly think of a hundred, but my point is, or, or the, the, the precursor to this point is too many people, leaders, entrepreneurs think customer loyalty is, is, is about the results. And the results means if I cook your steak medium rare, like you requested, or I get your tooth to stop hurting as your dentist, or, or, or I do your you know, accounting, or your, your, you know, when you check in and you do get two beds instead of a king, whatever the re- request is, too many people think that's customer loyalty. It's scientifically proven that has the least to do with customer loyalty is the results, the outcomes, unless we're talking about a heart surgery, okay? But the outcome has the least to do, I expect at a fine restaurant, at a fine hotel, or any dentist with a degree, I I know they're going to, you know, they better give me the the steak how I cooked it, or stop my tooth from hurting, right? If that's all I get, it's not customer, you know, I'm not going to be loyal, because I know any one of their competitors are going to do the same. And when I say competitors, if I'm talking about fine dining, fine hotel, right, I'm talking about fine competitors, not any, you know, shackle. Um, but here's where customer loyalty is. And I know you know this, is it's in the micro moments. And the micro moments is when I called, when I went on your website, when I checked in, when I checked, passed someone in the, 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 the lobby or uh, on my floor that worked for you. And I said, hey, can you tell me where? And they, point, you know, took me there. Even though they were in housekeeping, even though they were an engineer, or they responded with, I work in housekeeping, I work in, in, in engineer, you have to go to the lobby for that, right? That's the negative. The positive is absolutely. And they escort me to the conference convention center of their hotel, right? It's the micro moments of how they made me feel when I checked in. They noticed when they were you know asked me for my ID that I was from Cleveland, and they asked me how Cleveland was this time of year or they welcome me back um, because their their system told them I had been there before or they say i understand this is your first time at our property right and and, and those little things so uh you know you're probably looking for specific but if you no, focus actually, on the actually
0: I, I don't think i mean the specifics great but to me that idea of micro moments okay so many hotels will be like say the say the guest's name three times as they check in like that's so prescriptive and it's kind of crap, right? But like when you're pausing for a moment to write that thank you note or you're pausing to do that video or that micro moment, if you're th- 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 pausing for a moment, it's, I'm saying your name three times, but I'm asking you how Cleveland is, but I, it's, it's something about that connection to heart and like
1: yeah. connecting
0: with the other and being that daymaker. I just interviewed a guy who um, sit, uh, rode across the ocean three times, the Atlantic twice, the Pacific once. And he,
1: and so you, you have me following him.
0: Uh, yeah. You're following yeah. him.
1: But, I, but I, I, I rode my Peloton for like 20 minutes today. Okay. Kind of we'll have to do
0: it. We'll have to do a team ride one of these days. <laughs> um, but there's no luxury. There's no comfort. They're going two hours on two hours off. Right. But they create, he created this idea. He also does leadership coaching, but this idea of, of it, he calls them gathering points right? It's that pause um, where they would have breakfast or coffee and just truly connect and then go back about like really building yeah. the oars. Um, but it, when you take those moments and become a day maker yourself, make someone else's day, um, in all of these conversations I'm happening, it improves It's that one plus one equals three. The, the whole becomes much greater than, than the sum of the parts. So in your quest of building your salon business, which put you on this path. How did you figure out that this was your calling though?
1: You know, again, it was out of uh, survival. So when we, I, when we open uh, like any big city and, and times just by a hundred in New York and Boston and all of those Cleveland's you know, not, not on, on those levels, but where we open, you could, if you had a bad arm, you could throw a rock in any direction and hit five salons. So how are we gonna open? We had the three no's. We had no money, no employees and no customers, all right? Besides my wife at the time and, and, and me, who was you know, still driving a truck for UPS during the day and you know, answering phones and doing the books at night you know, our first year. How are we gonna compete with these existing salons that all offer the exact same services, hair, nails, spa, that have prettier buildings right now, have deeper pockets to advertise back then. There wasn't you know, the social media, but you know, whatever it's a billboard or a newspaper ad or a magazine ad, or you know, on your on your when you went to the grocery store, it might be in your your cart. Those were all the things back in the early 90s we would, you know, how we advertised are the yellow pages, right? We couldn't couldn't compete with them there. We couldn't outbuild a prettier place and we couldn't offer a service that they didn't offer. Oh, we do highlights. Well, so do they. Well, we do waxing. So do they, right? And At the end of the day, there's only so straight and cut a straight line, right? I'd love to tell you our $130 Bob is straighter than the three salons in our shopping center charge $25. But here's the difference that salon that charges $25 or less for that Bob, it's, it's a straight haircut. All right. And our, 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 speak, um, you can get your pick of an appointment today with them. Our hairdressers that charge over a hundred dollars to 150, you have to wait three weeks to three months for their first opening. It's not the Bob. It's not how straight we can cut a straight line, right? It's not the bed and alarm clock and, and TV and high definition TV and the, Thousand quill, whatever, I'm trying to speak you know, the, the, the restaurant language, right? Or that you have a coffee shop and a nice restaurant and a, you know, a grab-and-go in like, a pool, right? Everyone has that. All your competitors have that. But they don't have the experience. They don't have the re- relationship. They don't have the 19-year-old like at Chick-fil-A who is saying certainly my pleasure versus no problem or you know, whatever the, the street slang term. Um, they're focused and they're allowed and they're trained to see that you have your arm in a sling, you're at Chick-fil-A, you just ordered a ton of stuff and I'm giving it to you on a tray and you're not going to be able to carry it to your your thing because your arm, you just had that shoulder surgery. I'm I'm supposed to pay attention to that, jump up from behind the counter and bring it to your table, open your ketchup packets for you because you can't one-hand it right? It's training those employees when they overhear someone checking in and saying, oh, shoot, honey, I forgot my whatever, that that shows up in their room in 30 minutes, their Advil, their readers, whatever that may be. It's focusing on seeing and hearing those moments instead of just being transactional uh, credit card and, and ID, Right, initial here the data departure and uh, you know your room rate. That's the transactional side, but the experiential side, the hospitality side, is those little innocuous things that come up. But employees have to feel empowered that they're allowed to, and they'll be celebrated, not gotten in trouble for spending an extra five dollars on a guest when she checked in.
0: And that comes back to those micro moments, right?
1: It's all the micro moments. And a, a, a lot of great micro moments add up to a great experience. But the experience is kind of the results uh, and, and outcome of the micro moments along the way. It's not just that you drop my my dinner and I cut into it and it's, it's a shade of pink that I
0: like. So in all of the, with your legions of, of, Followers and people that you've impact, impacted through education, like you send them on, your, on their way and they're, they're impacting others. How do you make yourself feel comfortable and cared for? I
1: make myself feel comfortable and cared for. It's the people I surround. I mean, like, um, <laughs> I'm gonna show you something. Let me grab it. This is my, uh, my mother told me when I was a kid to surround myself were brilliant people, so I maybe would be guilty by association because I wasn't the smartest kid. So you probably can't see this, but this is my grade school transcripts and this line right here first grade to eighth. My average grade is F, F, D minus, and I peaked in fourth grade with a D plus average. Wow. I was requested to repeat every grade from first through 12th, I didn't but I was requested flunked out of college. Right. And, and, and so and the whole point of this is the people that I work with in, in, in all four of my brands, I spend most of the time in the New Julius group, but I also have a believe in dreams, which is a nonprofit. And I started the salons. They are the, the most amazing people. And I truly, truly, when I say this, and, and, and if, if, if you, if you ask me about, let's say you knew, 25 different employees or you could hear me talk to 20 different customers say oh i know nicole or i know denise or i know that my answer is always the same oh my god i love nicole and you'd say you know john you say that i genuinely believe that i don't know every employee okay anymore especially in the salons but the employees i know and the employees i work with i like honestly love if you want your employees to love you you got to love them first and i just think they're so I, i like it blows my mind that they work for me and they commit their careers to my vision when they have so many opportunities out there. And some look better on paper. They certainly, in some cases, could get a higher paying job somewhere else. But they're thinking long-term and all this. It's and I but I even love like their spouses. Like I know it sounds silly. Jess is this young consultant for us. And now she's 31, but like when she started when she was 26, right out of her master's degree, you know. I just can't believe how much she's grown and, 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 and how brilliant she is with these 50 and 60 year old CEOs. Right. And like, I was scared that she, she'd get eaten. I love her. I love her, but you know, what I love more is her husband. He's my cornhole partner. Whenever we have, you know, get togethers, like, like, are you bringing Ryan? And I always joke. I'm like, you're not invited unless Ryan's coming, but you get to know people, you get to know their families, you get to know their kids. And you know, so some people that that'll sound like you know, gee, well, that you're not going to have that. So they energize me, and and they keep me up at night. It's the only thing that keeps me up at night because I want to make sure that um, I am rewarding their choice to work for me um, every day. You know, and, and that 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 today, and it's in, and this is this is our our, our leadership mission to our employees, okay? Let me see if I say it right. And we say it in hiring, orientation, and ongoing. We hope that you make more money here than you ever thought possible. However, at the end of your career, we want the money you made to be the least valuable thing you got from working here. That's our goal and mission is you to say yes, after 10, 20, 30 years, I made more money than I thought I was going to in my life. But that's sixth or ninth of the thing you got from working with us, right? And that you're a better person, parent, friend, and you, you know, it, it was a rewarding career. And that's hard, that's hard. That's not, a, you know, that's not just something you say and walk away from it. You gotta back that up. Cause every day you could be saying, hey, oh yeah, John, oh yeah.
0: You know on any of that so
1: i know we've got a rabbit hole hopefully no, that was this is
0: perfect this is perfect because okay. um in thinking back to when you were speaking to all of us and then the books that i've read of yours and then the, the things that i the teams have implemented what i found is okay yeah pay and money is really important to everyone because like we all have to live and do this but it's also finding those micro moments as a team where we deliver so much more value and th- feeling and love and th- to just everyone. And I, I feel like it's our job to make those who work with us better versions of themselves by the time that they leave. Hopefully they never leave, um, but when they do, I I want everyone to just be a better version of themselves. And I think that, that mentality that you're taking from your whole team and that true love that you have for everyone, it, it, it It pays such dividends, not just for your business, but for for everyone, for their families, for their communities. And that's that's amazing. I feel like it is missing.
1: Well, and that's our definition. I mean, like we have a definition for the customer service revolution, right? right? And it is a radical overthrow of conventional business mentality designed to transform what employees and customers experience. Now, this next part is what we're talking about this shift permeates into people's lives at work, at home, in their personal lives and in the community. Like That's the part that really you know, excites me because if I could teach a 19-year-old or a 24-year-old how to better serve and deliver genuine hospitality and genuinely care for the other person, that isn't just stayed at, at work, they now go home and do that for their sister and brother and, the, the, and friend. And the best compliment I ever get is when I meet someone's parents and they you know, find out that your daughter works at you know, one of my businesses and they say, I don't know what you did to my son or daughter, but she is not the same person she was six months ago or a year ago. That is, that is the biggest check you could write me, that, that they're seeing a difference in that, you know, best version of themselves as a result of, of working with us. And I'm not doing that. That's not me. That's my employees. It's our training, people executing it. My day-to-day impact, um, you know, you know, you know, to to anyone is is long gone, and I don't, I, I can't take credit for that. But my people do.
0: Yeah, it's like you've planted an orchard, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And
0: nurtured all of that. So uh, you shared what's, what's keeping you up at night. And, you know, also going back to when you said like this idea of delivering hospitality is pretty much gone. I I believe it's not fully gone. I I know you agree with that as well, because there are little beacons of. of No, and that's why my my latest
1: book, and this is to plug it, is the relationship economy. And that's because the pendulum has swung so far over to high tech, no touch, (laughs) that I believe that it's coming back now because we are all starving to be a name with Ford and feeling valued and being treated with hospitality, warmth, and, and that feeling that, you know, the few that focus on that are growing. And, you know, it's, it, it, people, um, you know people say, what do you want? You know, what, what, what type of client do you want? And I rattle it off, okay? I want a Tesla driving, Peloton riding, Lululemon wearing, Starbucks drinking, Apple using customer. Okay, that's. Wait, I think you that.
0: just. I think you just uh, got my demographic.
1: Right, right. It, it, I'm not it, wearing
0: it, Lululemon though. I hear the pants are good for men. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, you know, the, the shirts—they're not great. For dad bods, they really do show our imperfections, but they're so damn comfortable, and I like their their pullovers because they 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 don't show my uh, my dad bod. But anyway, anyway. So the next question is, oh good, I'd like that client too. Okay, we all would. What do you have to do to get them? How do you attract them? Not by running discounts. Those people aren't looking for discounts. They're looking for an emotional affirmation. That says by being a, any one of the driving a Tesla or, you know, drinking a Starbucks or Lululemon or Peloton, that, that says something about me, right? That says that I'm cool, I'm hip, I'm trendy, I'm sexier. That's, you know, and, and how do you get that by, by, by creating an emotional affirmation. And a lot goes into that, that basically all the micro experiences at moments that we've been talking about, um, it's not just by being the lowest bidder, And, you know, oh, you pay what? I'll give you, you know, 10% less. If you, you know, would you come over to me? Some things you will that are a commodity. Some things you don't even compare. If you're a Tesla, you're buying the next Tesla. You're buying the next iPhone 27. When it comes out, you're not seeing if Samsung or the Galaxy or the Google, I don't even know what the competition is, what they're charging for their new, no, you're you're, you're going with it. I'm, I'm, you know, as soon as the MacBook Pro came out, I ordered it. I, you know, I'm not looking to see what Dell and anyone else are, or, you know, has.
0: I get you. Um, so go, going with that and that need and that thirst. How
1: far have I taken you off your course? Know this
0: is, we're, <laughs> we're right on it because what uh, I want to okay. know from you is, you know, you have that thirst, that excitement that we've all been starved from, just to reflect Rest. back what I heard you say. Yes. What's exciting you most about the future?
1: You know, the merging of the companies that are merging uh, technology with the human. And, and that's the secret. I love technology. I love that I could go on the Apple and book my appointment with the genius within 60 seconds, literally the thought of calling someone and having to do that. It just sounds so painful. Uh, it sounds like it would take 30 minutes. It, it might take five, but today five minutes is what used to be 30 minutes, right? But I could literally have my appointments at my Apple store in 60 seconds whenever, you know, my schedule and their schedule works. But you can get to that. But then I get to talk to um, a genius and tell him what's wrong and, you know, bore him with you don't understand. I travel and speak and present. and I can't have this happening. And he fixes it right there, right? And I get the human experience and the human expertise when I need it. And I get the mundane, trivial thing that you know, I, 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 I uh, self-service can do. So it, it's it's blending those things.
0: And I think the real challenge, especially in hotels, also like they're talking about robots and less people working in it, and keyless entry and just keyless check-in. Um, I feel like right now we're at this place where there's an overcorrection to technology to to account for the loss of human capital, but I feel like it's going to swing back maybe not all the way, but I I feel like we haven't really figured out that sweet spot yet.
1: And you don't, but but here, Dan, to your point, and tell me if this exists, this is what I want because I'm in a hotel three times a week. Um, Luckily, knock on wood, since Labor Day. uh, So I'm not complaining, I'm not complaining. You know, two years ago, I'd be complaining, I'm traveling too much. I'm so happy I'm traveling, right, that it's bad. But here is my dream for hotels, to check in online, which I know some of this exists, Bypass the whole front desk. Get out of my Uber and say, you know, it tells me I'm in room two twelve, and I can open it with my 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 app. Um, but even better, I want the room at sixty nine degrees and ESPN on. Like like that is my fantasy. And, and and maybe I'm lame that that's my fantasy. But I want to walk into a little bit of a chilled room. That's me. You might want it toastier. And one of my biggest is is when I have to pick up that damn remote, learn a completely new television guide and and find where ESPN is. And it might be six or it might be 400. And, you know, how cool would that be if that not that stuff? That's great. I want that. But then I also want someone that I can talk to about which restaurant I want to go to. And oh, understand again, boring the person I am gluten free and I don't do starch and I don't. but that's where I want, you know, what, based on that, you know, you would love, like, I want that. Right. I don't want that on a, a, a frequently asked question, kiosk, uh, uh, chat bot. So I want the flexibility of the mundane tasks that'll speed up my experience. And then the you know interactive things that, that I'm looking for.
0: So here's something as you're saying that I feel like that is not far away. And I'm but they're sure missing. It. It isn't. But you all, one of the other things I remember you speaking about was I I, I can't remember, it was like policies suck, mm-hmm. guidelines are great, or policies yes. are or don't say
1: don't use the word policy. You can have policy, don't use them with your staff and customers. And if you want okay. me to explain, but
0: well, Okay, I, so in that vein. Um, there's a challenge right because many people will book their hotels or few people book directly through the Marriott, right. the IHG, the Hilton right. app right when you do that Expedia, they have more that. information you get better rooms but I find that the hotels are really messing up right now because whoever books through an OTA or an online travel agent so from an Expedia to a hotel tonight to whatever, they get yeah. the second floor room in the dark corner and they're not doing any of that stuff that you talked about. How do you think you can bridge that? Because those are those are customers too. And I feel like whenever they put people on the dark room on the second floor next to the elevator, they're missing an opportunity to, it, to impact and, and develop a raving fan.
1: Right, and, and so there's a great quote or, or mantra that, you know, it's mostly when we use third party, okay? And let's go to my world. Uh, you order 100 books, I ship them to you. Okay, you call me up and say, John, they didn't uh, show up. Well, Dan, I, I, I sent them second day air with UPS like you told me you needed. Here's the tracking number and you go figure out with UPS, right? Not, It's not my fault, right? You ordered them on Monday. I sent them out on Monday. Second day air like you asked. But the problem is, well, it's not my fault. It is my problem, right? And, and we do that anytime there's a third party that you booked, you know, through a third party app or, you know, using a ship. There's so many examples of third party, right? Third party. And our fault. Yeah, it's not my fault. At Disney, your son is too short to get on this ride, but it is my problem. Right. Because, you know, you're going to go home and and your kid's going to be upset and and he's going to scream and have a meltdown right there, which, you know, you don't want and you're not going to remember Disney as well. So they take ownership while they can't let him on for safety. They give him a, a card. They say, you know, what's your name? Billy, Billy, I'm giving you this card that says the next time you'll probably be tall enough for this ride. If you are, this card is a line jump. You get to walk by everyone and hand this, and you go on the next ride. And now Billy's happy, and Billy's actually bugging, you know, mommy and daddy. When can we go back? When can we go back? Instead of us all remembering how hot it was, every line was over an hour long, and we couldn't get on half the rides, and we spent $5,000, right? It, you know, so we got to take ownership that, you know, that's still our customer. You know, even though I booked at Expedia or wherever I like travel, it's it's about the Marriott experience, and I, I'm and and I'm blaming Marriott for everything that good or bad happens to me, and so they have to find how they can own that.
0: Yeah, I just feel like that part is, seems very far away, and that's a whole other conversation yeah. that I don't know how to talk about. But you know, you talked about Billy and giving him the card where in the future he can jump the line. Go back to um, the fourth grade, John, where your D D D F. You're being told you're going to be F-F-F-D. left back. FFD,
1: come on, man. Oh, I was trying to make a I was, you, I was giving you too much credit.
0: <laughs> Go back to that, John. Um, how did you, did you feel shame when, when that was happening?
1: I'm sure I did. Uh, I was, you know, I was literally, I was just thinking about this the other day. I was literally through a good three years, maybe more physically, emotionally, maturity, um, behind, like I was so small, you could have held me back three years or put me back three years, and I still would have been the smallest in that class, right? Okay. So I had, you know, my my my, I lost my dad when I was six. Okay, now that was bait. I wanted to just say, oh, I'm sorry. Say, oh, I'm sorry.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear okay.
1: that. No, 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 that's not what I mean. He didn't die. We literally lost him. Okay. He left us. Couldn't find him anywhere. Right, So that's, that's kind of my joke there, but it is, that's true. Right. But I do, I said, I lost my dad. usually people say, no, 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 he didn't die. He left us. Right. So I had a, you know, mom that, that, you know, was raising six kids all under the age of, you know, 20 and I was the youngest at wow. six. So, you know, I didn't have a mom at home because she was, you know, had to go, you know, work full time, which, you know, raising six kids back in the, you know, 60s and and, and 70s was a full-time job it's the hardest job you could have well so I didn't have any accountability I had ADD LD I was like you know all over the place and you know so uh but I had a mom that believed in me and she told me that every day she told me she goes so when I didn't make you know make the grade or make the team or you know lost my job you know and or or the police stopped by all those things happen okay she'd always stick up for me and say you know you're gonna make it i believe in you and, and and everyone's heard that from someone and we have to remember who it was um because you know that got me through it. and people didn't think my mom was being tough enough on me and like listen mrs d Julius, you need to no 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 he's gonna is just fine right you know, I, I, I have no confidence and they think, oh, God, you know, her son is, is going to be in jail or, or, you know, not doing good things when he's an adult. And I never did bad things. It was mischievous. It wasn't anything bad. But obviously, I, I never looked like I was going to be successful in, in whatever that term looks like. But my mom just gave me that gift and it gave me this incredible, um, I don't know, self-esteem and, and self-esteem I shouldn't have had. Uh, there's no reason for it, but she gave it to me and I just had this kind of cocky chip on my shoulder that um, I'm going to do it right and, and, and you know fortunately it worked out.
0: If you could go back to that fourth grade john as the john of today what advice uh, would you give yourself.
1: Um, you know it's hard because because a lot of things that you know I would say you know, not to take things such so seriously not to worry you know, because you didn't make the team today or because she doesn't like you or, you know, you asked her out or, you know, you weren't invited to the cool kids parties. Um, That's okay. Like, that's so okay. Um, You know, but, um, you know, I think all the times like, like, I wouldn't want to talk myself out of failure because all those mistakes made me who I am and avoided me failing when it really would count later on. Like, so that little mistake maybe I made when we first opened my business, if if, if you would have, you know, told me not to do that, and I w- then I might have made it when it was a million dollar deal instead of a, a $10,000 deal, right? So oh, it, it, it's really hard. I think just, you know, the biggest, thing, one, one thing that, that does haunt me is, it haunt me is a strong word, but one thing I would change, um, and I say this when I speak at kids to schools, is I got picked up. I wouldn't say bully, right? But I got picked up. I was little, I was obnoxious, I couldn't shut up and I got bad grades, you know, and and all those things. So so kids would pick on me and 99% of the time, I deserved it, right? Because of my mouth and just, you know, whatever. But what I did, and this is probably a normal thing, is that I pick on the people below me because it made me feel good or it made me, I don't know why, I don't know why. But, you know, that shit kind of rolls downhill. I don't know if that's a normal thing, but I look back and that's my only regret in life that I made fun of, you know, Carmella, right? Because she was, you know, 5'9 in fourth grade. And to us, that was a giraffe. Now we're kicking ourselves later on because she was a freaking model, Um, you know, but, you know, we didn't realize it in fourth grade. She was just, you know, you'd see her coming down the hallway you know, uh, you know, a foot taller than everyone else. So it was just, you know, in whatever aspect I was, high school or college, I'd always, you know, shit on the person below me, you know, so, you know, I felt a little better about myself. And that's probably my, my one thing that, you know, damn, I wish I could go back and not do that. I try to teach that to my kids and say, invite the least favorite kid to your birthday party. Like, you have no idea what that would mean to him. Like, oh my God, I got invited to Bo Julius's birthday party. Um, you know, I, I, I try to teach my kids that hopefully uh, they do less of it. They certainly aren't, you know, on the, you know, where I was, like, they're not, you know, the unpopular kid like I was when I was in school.
0: Well, whatever. That was, haunted, therapy. That was yeah, all therapy there. Yeah, yeah, no, I love it. And I, I'll say like whatever um, haunting you may feel. I feel like all of the work and the soapbox that you're on about giving to others and creating these micro moments and just living in this world of gratitude and appreciation. Um, I can speak for myself and the 65 other entrepreneurs from around the world in that room and countless other uh, groups that you've spoken to over the years I think that the work that you've done as far as on a balance sheet from that time when you were in fourth grade, far outweighs that and I mean I believe in you and the things that you've done, I've enacted and I believe in them. And I just want to say thank you.
1: Thank you. That, that, that means a lot to me. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, all, the, all, the, all of your work means so much to me. Um, just so like as we wrap this out, John, how can people get in touch with you?
1: Um, yeah, if you're going to put it in the show notes or anything, but I'll put D- it in G- the show G- notes. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, the D- Julius group, um, the T-H-E, excuse me, D-I j-u-l-i-u-s group, G-R-O-U-P uh, dot com, or john at the and, and then also same. if you
0: if you guys are on Social amazon media. type yeah. in john to julius and check out all of his books they're amazing reads and not just reads like you actually do stuff it's incredible so john again i just want to say thank you very much for your time
1: my pleasure it was a a, a, a privilege to be on it i can't believe how fast the time went I
0: know. I know. And also, most importantly, also, I want to take a micro moment here and I want to express gratitude and thanks to my to my listeners. And if this has changed any way that you experience or give hospitality or change the way you think about things, please share the podcast with someone else. Um, I'll see you next time.